Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter number 3, Hebrews 3 tonight. Hebrews 3. Don't give up on God. That's my message tonight. Don't give up on the Lord. You might run out of gas, but don't give up. All right? You might run out of gas, but just don't give up. Okay? One thing to push and to go and to give it all you got, and then, you know, give out of get, get run out of gas or wreck at the finish line. But at least you didn't give up, you know? At least you stayed in the fight, stayed in the race. And tonight, we're going to be seeing here in Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to be reading from verses 7 down through 19, then a small portion of chapter 4. We won't cover these verses in detail, but they will be a helpful for us tonight to see as an overview in general of this message that we want to see here tonight, to keep following and to keep believing and to keep obeying and to keep going for the Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 7, he says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. He's referring back uh, to the book of Psalms, chapter number 95. Um, I like how the Word of God says that, don't you? Psalm 95 was written by uh, the psalmist there, and uh, it tells us, it says, whereas the Holy Ghost saith, isn't that neat? It's not how David said it, right? Or it's not how uh, Asaph said it, or Ezra said it. It says, as the Holy Ghost saith. That's a great point right there. That's a great fault on the inspiration of the scriptures of God. Is that when you see that word right there, you're saying what the Bible's saying is that the word is not of man. Amen? It is of the Lord. It is of the Lord. It is of the Holy Ghost. It is, as, as Paul writes, he says that it is God-breathed. It is inspiration. It is uh, God's breath breathing out the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, and the Spirit of God teaches us that today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. You say, what's the provocation? What is the provocation? Well, the provocation is the moment, and we've been talking about this on Sunday night, and I've taken a little break, obviously, uh, from the, uh, the, the series on the life of Moses, and we've been seeing some other things that I feel the Lord wants to draw some attention to. But the provocation, we talked about that a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, I guess. Um, the provocation is the moment whenever the spies go into the land of Canaan and come back out, and they do not believe that God is able to deliver them. And remember, ten spies defect, and two spies obey God and have faith. Who are those two spies? Caleb and Joshua. Thank you, Miles. So, uh, Caleb and Joshua. 
They obey God, they listen to God, and they believe they can take the land. The other ten don't. Isn't it funny we don't remember the other ten's names? They're there. <laughs> we just don't know who they are. Um, the name of the wicked shall rot. Um, but the Bible is teaching us here that the provocation is that moment in his, of Israel's history whenever they did not obey God. And then as a nation, not just the ten, the nation went with the majority, you remember, and when they went with the majority, then God said, enough is enough, 40 years you're going to be wandering in the wilderness, walking in circles. Um, and that's, that's the provocation. That's what that means right there. Uh, in the day of temptation, and further on he gets us, lets us know what this provocation is, for he tells us, In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, that is the generation that disobeyed God, and said, They do all we err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. So you've got the parentheses there from verses 7 to 11. That's a, a quotation coming from Psalm 95. And then uh, the writer picks it back up with his admonition in verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you of an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is, today, while it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Again, he said today three times. Verse number 7, uh, he has told us today. Verse number 13, he has told us today. Verse number 15, he has told us today. If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. As in the provocations, uh, for some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom he was grieved forty years. Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And not to whom swear he that they should not enter to his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now here is the application. Let us therefore fear, lest they promise, being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. And then verse number 9, he says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. God has a rest for his people. And I think... Uh, I don't presume to know exactly what saddens God the most, but I would say that one of the things that does hurt him, that does bother him, is the fact that there are many that have, will reject Christ wholeheartedly as Lord and Savior and reject him and put him, out, put him away. But if there's something else that must sadden the heart of the Lord, and it is this, is to see that His children, His children walk in unbelief and miss out on promises, inheritances, rewards, and most of all, rest. God has a rest for the people of God. 
But in order to have that rest, we must continue to walk by faith with the Lord. We must not give up. We must not turn back. You know, that was the danger and that was the problem with the people of Israel is that they wanted to turn back. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to that place. But what is interesting to me is that God will not let them. He won't let them. Why? Because he's delivered them. And he won't let them go back, and he refuses to allow that. It's a great picture. And we must not give up, and we must not quit, and we must not stop believing in God. But when we do, I believe we do miss out on God's plans and God's purposes in our life. We miss out on some of the best things that perhaps are awaiting us. So tonight, I want us to see in these verses here how to not give up on God. What does it mean to keep following, keep going, keep believing, and keep obeying? Well, first of all, it means this. It means that we need to hear God's voice. We need to hear God's voice. And when the Bible says that to us, to hear the voice, it says it in verse number 7. He says, today, he says, or says, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice. The word hear, it means to listen, it means to understand, it means to realize. It can mean to educate yourself or to follow or to obey. It doesn't mean let it go in one ear and out the other. How many of how many's moms ever said that to them? You know, did that, you know, don't let this go in one ear and out. Did that go in one ear and out the other? My mom used to say that to me all the time. She used to play that drum a lot. Uh, Did that go in one ear? No, we need to hear. We need to let it sink in. I love the words of Jesus Christ. He said, let these sayings sink down into your ears. (laughs) What an illustrative way of saying that, right? To listen. Let these sayings sink down into your ears. Let what the Word of God is trying to teach us, let the Word of God be an anchor that drops down into our heads and into our minds and let us soak and sit upon these things and meditate upon what God says we should and can do and what we can't do and how we should do it and all of these things that God teaches us in His Word. So He tells us to listen, to obey, to hear what has to be said. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember what was preached last Sunday? That's a hard question. Do you remember what you read in your Bible this morning? Or yesterday? Do we remember these things? See, what we need to do is we need to meditate. We need to take these things into our hearts and into our minds and meditate. That's why this year uh, I have purposefully chosen to, in my Bible reading, and uh, I've done a hundred different plans, and that's, an exa- that's a preacher exaggeration, uh, but this year I've chosen to actually uh, think on smaller passages and try to get smaller groups and smaller things into my mind so that I can grasp them. I've been writing more this year than I ever have, and it's been helping me ever since we did the Psalm 119 challenge. I've been writing, and that's been good for me. It's helped me to meditate and to think on these things. What does Psalm 1 say? For some reason, I, for some reason, my mind cannot remember Psalm 1. I want to quote it to you. 
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he what? Meditate therein what? Day and night. Day and night. And that's what we've got to do. He says, as I said right there, he says, as the Holy Ghost saith. You know, how are, what are we to hear? How are we going to hear God's voice? You're going to hear it through the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God is going to teach us. But listen tonight also to this, is that you need to be aware and discerning of the Spirit of God in your heart and your mind too. You need to be aware of the Spirit of God in your heart and mind also. And listen to what He has to say. If you pray for wisdom and God gives you the wisdom to do it, then obey what God has told you to do. Obey the Spirit of God. Listen to God's Spirit. Listen to what God has to say. And He does so oftentimes, though, through His Word. Through His Word. And so He says to us, He says, here is what I want you to hear. He says in verse number 8, He says, Harden not your hearts. I believe a Christian can harden their heart. You can harden your heart to the point that you stop listening to what the Lord has to say. And that's a dangerous place to be. And that's what God is warning us about here. Christians need to have tender hearts, obedient hearts, softened hearts. And you might need to pray, God, tenderize my heart. Whenever we uh, sometimes make up some chicken fried steaks, uh, you take one of those tenderizing hammers and uh, you put those steaks, uh, you put those, well, we put deer steaks, we put those deer steaks, those deer tenderloins in some, uh, some old uh, uh, bread bags and you put it there on the counter and you put your, and you start beating, on, well, not on the counter, I guess you do put it on the cutting board and you start beating that thing out. And flattening it out so it'll be easy to bite into and easy to chew on. You know, that's what we need God to do to our hearts. To just get in there and beat on them a little bit. Get on there and just kind of tenderize it a little bit. Soften us up. It's okay to shed a tear. Amen? It's okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be rejoicing and happy about what God's done for you in your life. Look over to 2 Chronicles chapter number 34. Hold your place in Hebrews and turn over to 2 Chronicles chapter number 34. And let me show to you an entirely different generation and what God did for them. 2 Chronicles chapter number 34. This is the story of Josiah. He was one of the righteous kings of Judah. And the Bible tells us about him and his generation that in 2 Chronicles chapter number 34, we read this. Let's go up to, did I say 24 or 34? Okay, I was making sure. All right. I really want to read the whole chapter to you, but I'm not going to do that. It's a great chapter. But... I'll just give you a little background. Is what happens in 2 Chronicles 34 is that uh, Josiah gets a heart for God 
And I believe that's from the Lord, no doubt about it. But he gets a heart for God and he says, hey, let's go clean up and restore the temple, okay? And so they go in and they're renovating the temple. They're getting things ready for sacrifices and all these kinds of things. And as they do, uh, there, there is, and there's, there's, a, there's a man named Shaphan. Uh, he finds a, uh, a, a book. And it says that in verse number 18. Look what it says. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. Isn't that amazing? They don't even know what it is. It's the law of God. Think about that. The law of God had been so long not been taught and because there had been idolatry in the land. And he says, we have found a book. And Shaphan read it before the king and came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. And he begs God for mercy is what he does. And look at verse number um, Look at verse number 20, 26. God sends a prophet. Actually, a prophetess over. in verse number 26, And as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall you say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart, what does it say, was what? Tender. And thou didst humble thyself before God, when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me. I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again." Josiah and his generation were spared because they had tender hearts for God. And what happened? How did they get tender hearts? From the preaching of the word, from the listening of the word. They heard the word and they had tender hearts to it. They responded in a correct and godly way. And in doing so, God showed mercy upon them. I really believe, and, and I'm preaching through this, this series on Psalm 51, I believe that if as a church we could get a hold of Psalm 51, we'd have revival. We would. We'd really have revival. Because that is the beginning spot of revival. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, O God. That's, that's the beginnings of revival right there. But the children of Israel, they're in a different boat. They're even rowing a different way. The children of Israel did not have tender hearts, but rather they had hardened hearts. For he says, go back to your text there in Hebrews Hebrews chapter 3, and he says to them, he says, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Don't harden your heart like they did. Your fathers, they tempted me, they proved me, they saw my works 40 years. What does the word proved mean? It means to test. It means to try. It means to tempt. What does he say in uh, Numbers? Thou shalt not what? Tempt the Lord thy God. God says here in Hebrews, he says, those people tempted me. They tried me. You ever said that to your kids? Don't test me. Right? Don't you try me. That's what God's saying here. He said, don't try me, don't test me. They already tried me. And you've seen what happened to them. Don't you try it too. 
This whole generation of about 600,000 men, uh, they all died and they missed out on the blessings of God in their life because they refused to listen to God. Did they get out of Egypt? Let me say it again. I got two yes. It says, did they get out of Egypt? Yes. yes. They got out of Egypt. But did they receive the blessings of God like they could have? No. They did not. They had the manna. Yes. God protected them. God helped them. He multiplied them. He did all of those kinds of things. Yes, he did some blessings. But they did not receive the fullness of the blessing that they could have received. And I wonder sometimes in my life, I wonder if I have missed out on some of the fullness of the blessings. Is there more blessings? Is there more? I don't know what those blessings are. I'm not talking financially either. I'm just saying what is it that I've missed out on because I've been disobedient to God. Or I've hardened my heart to the Lord. But you know, the fact of the matter is this, is that I cannot dwell on what I did in the past. You can't do that. You'll grow crazy, okay? And then you'll get depressed and get stuck in the past. You can't do that. You've had some wrecks. You, you, haven't, you haven't maybe always obeyed God like you should. You know what you do? You, know, you, you take a pit stop. Get four fresh tires and you get back out on the track. I don't know why I'm giving all the NASCAR analogies here tonight. I guess I was watching the Talladega 500 this, this afternoon a little bit. But you, 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 you get repaired, amen? Things aren't right, so you know what they did? They said, go down to the temple, and they did the best thing that they knew how to do. They started working on the temple and getting that thing ready and getting it ready for sacrifices. In the midst of it all, God brought out a book, and he said, this is what you're supposed to do. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Let's do those things. And they repented, and God blessed them, and God used them, and he spared a generation from, annihilate, or from, from captivity. Because what happens in the very next generation? What happens to them? They go into captivity. Because they don't listen to God. What if the next king would have repented and obeyed God? God would have said, okay, I'll put it off another generation. What if the next one would have done it? He would have said, I'll put it off another generation. Because that's God, amen? That's the mercy and long-suffering of God. That's exactly what it is. Hear God's voice. How are you going to keep following, keep believing, keep obeying? You're going to do so by hearing God's voice. The second thing is this, is that you must take heed to the promises of God. Notice what he says in verse number 12. He says, take heed, brethren. Don't you love that? Brethren. These are all little clues for us. To let us know who he's talking to. He ain't talking to a bunch of unsaved, apostatized uh, heathens. Amen? He's talking to brethren. He's saying, brethren, listen to me. Take heed. Listen to what I got to say. Now, here's a note for you. When you're reading your New Testament and you find the words, take heed, well, you ought to take heed, but always recognize that's a warning from God. It's a warning that God has given to us. He's trying to get our attention. Listen up. That's what he's saying. Listen up. God's promises are not just positive. They are also negative. If you and I do not take heed to God's word, we are promised that we can miss out on God's plans for our life. 
These people did not defeat God's plan. God's plan was that the children of Israel go into the promised land, okay? Nobody is defeating God's plan in here tonight. You can be the you can be a you can be a hardest hard-hearted person in here, okay? You're not defeating the plan of God. All right? His plan is getting done with you or without you. Amen. Well, that's going to happen. But we can delay the plan of God. And in delaying the plan of God, we miss out on the blessings of God. We miss out on what God's trying to do through us and in us and what God wants to do through or wants what God wants to do maybe even to us. Instead, these people enjoying the blessings of God in the promised land, they walked in circles for 40 years. And this is really what I fear some Christians do. They walk in circles. They, I mean, it, it, there's, there's never any forward mo- momentum. It's just circles. Circles. The problem is not believing God to do what he said to do. He says here in verse number 12, he says, Take heed lest there be any of you of an evil heart of unbelief. You don't believe what God's... You say, I don't believe that. I don't think God can do that. And departing from the living God. The word of departing there uh, is the word where we get our word apostatize from. It means to depart. And most of the time that a lot of people think that the word apostate means somebody uh, that denies God or curses God or, or, or denies their faith. But in this context right here, that's not exactly what he's saying. The word departing from the faith here is not the, uh, the cursing of God or the denying of God, but it is really someone, and really in reality, uh, that type of apostasy that you think of a lot of times is found for you in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 19 where it says this, they went out from us, but they were, because, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now that is an apostasy that we most of the time think of. A cursing of God, a denying of God, I don't want nothing, I'm done with God, all right? Uh, what, What is that, what is John saying? He's saying, those people that have left and they're never, and they've denied, what are they proving? They're proving they were not even of us in the first place. That's what he's saying. But the real danger that he's pointing out here is he's pointing out to us and to to those brethren in the church, the real danger is that people that are here in the church departing because they hear the word of God over and over and over and over and over again, but they never listen to God. And instead of receiving the blessings of God, they become a provocation to God. Do you know what the literal interpretation of a provocation is? A pain in the neck. An irritation is what it literally means. And so instead of being a blessing to God, you become an irritation to God. A sore, if you will. 
And that's what he's talking about here in this departing. So that's why I'm exhorting you today, lest we harden through deceitfulness of sin. What happens here in this process of unbelief is this. He says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest you be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. Once unbelief, see, see for a Christian, once unbelief and, and, and our disbelief starts to settle in our hearts and we start to deny God or doubt God and depart from what we know is right and good, what happens is that that is an avenue for other sins to come in at us. That's all that is. And, you, and if you have been in church 10, 15, 20 years or, or longer, you have all experienced that either personally or you've experienced it by seeing others do that exact same thing. There's some doubt, there's, some, there's something that gets settled in, they're not listening, and what happens all of a sudden, you say, or somebody might say this, something like this, man, I just thought they were so faithful, how in the world, what happened to them? I mean, it was like all of a sudden, they're just, I mean, they're off in sin. I mean, what happened to somebody like that? Listen, my friend, that wasn't an overnight process. That was perhaps years upon years upon years of, yes, sitting in church, listening to the Word of God, but never hearing the Word of God. Never letting it sink down into the ears and obeying the Word of God. Once unbelief begins to settle in, it strengthens the unbelief. And the children of Israel just look at their litany of sins, right? Complaining, mumbling, or mumbling, that's not a sin. Uh, but uh, murmuring, complaining, idolatry, fornication, rebellion. You could go on and on and on about their sins. God has called us as believers to heed the word of God. And the promise to us is that if we'll continue to hold true with it, look at verse number 14. Notice what he says. He says, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. He says, if you'll stay steadfast and continue on. And listen, my friend, God's not asking you to be the winner of the race. God isn't calling us here tonight to finish first place. Okay? God isn't saying, hey, I'm looking for blue ribbon contestants only. He's just saying, stay faithful. Amen? Listen to the word of God. Do what God says. What does he say? He says, then we have been made partakers of Christ. You know what a partaker is? It is the word partner. We have been brought into a partnership with Jesus Christ. We have become workers together with him. But not only do you get to become a worker with Christ, but you also get to share in the benefits of the partnership. Amen? That's a wonderful thought. If, you know, if Warren Buffett were to say to you tonight, hey, I want you to be brought into a partnership with me. You're like... You see my bank account? <laughs> you know, I don't it, don't, it don't match your bank account, you know. Uh, yeah, that, that, this, isn't, this isn't right, you know, here. No, he said, no, we're, we're, we're being brought in as partners. Like, 
you know, like a new business venture you're starting up? No, my whole account, everything, partners. Now, that's going to mean that I'm going to have to work, amen? I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to get out there, and I'm going to have to do whatever it takes to maintain this. I'm going to, have to not maintain it, but to, but to continue in, a, in this partnership. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to stay steadfast in it. But it also means this, that I get to share in the benefits of it. And praise God is that we have become partakers with Christ. We get to work with him, but we also get to share in the benefits and the rewards of Christ. And listen to me, my friend. The rewards with Christ and the payout with Christ is a lot better than anything Warren Buffett ever offered, okay? That's just worldly stuff. That's going to fade away, that will canker and rust, and that thieves will steal. But the fact of the matter is that God will give to us wonderful opportunities and advantages as we follow the Lord God Almighty, as we seek His face and do His will. Blessed be the the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You ever thought about that? We have a lively hope, amen? We don't have a hope that's like, well, I hope so. I, um, sometimes I talk to people and ask them if they're saved, and they say, well, I hope so. What, they don't have, they, they have a, they have a, they have, they, they have a hope so salvation, some people say. Listen, I don't have a, I, I don't have a hope so, I have a no so. I have a living hope. I have a hope that is real, that's steadfast, that's going to happen. I am going to see the resurrected Christ because I'm going to be resurrected too. But then listen to this, verse 4. He has given to us a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Partakers with Christ. Partakers with Christ. So we need to hear the word of God. We need to take heed to the warnings of God. And then thirdly, notice what he says in verse 15. We need to not harden our hearts. Did you catch what I said earlier? Three times he uses the words today. Today, today. The Hebrew Christians were in serious trouble. They were considering going back to Judaism because of the persecution and the shame that they were suffering in. But the author here is warning them, do not harden your heart while it is is today. Today. You know the best time to start asking God to soften your heart? Now. Amen. Today. Today. Right now. It's now. It's today. Don't wait. Don't wait on it. Say, God, I need you to soften my heart today. I need you to break my heart. Say, I'm scared to ask ask that. I don't know what that might mean. What we all need, we, we could all use a little bit more brokenness. Because pride has a way of taking us over. 
And humility is something that we all could use a little bit more of. If you ever think I don't have, I have too much humility, you have just got too much pride. (laughs) Nobody ever says that, do they? Don't harden your heart. For those that hardened their hearts, they came out of Egypt by Moses. They all saw the same things. The ones that hardened their hearts all experienced the same signs and wonders. They were all privileged to hear the voice of God firsthand. No one was disadvantaged. They were all given the same privileges. But only two, Joshua and Caleb, were experienced the blessings of God in the promised land. How much are you and I going to miss out because of a hard heart? How much of a blessed life has passed you away because we have rebelled or been stubborn to obey God? God was burdened with them for 40 long years. He was in a provocation with them for 40 years. They refused to believe God, so they wandered around and around and around and around. And God's trying to warn us of the exact same thing, to stay away from a heart that would be hardened. And I, and I would preach, and I, and I preach that to, I, preach, I say that to you adults that have been in church some of your whole life. And I preach that to you kids because one thing that can happen is that you can sometimes get in the mindset, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. If you ever find yourself getting in that mindset, just go ahead and recognize you're in the wrong mindset. Because Peter, in his first and his second epistle, in the first chapter, tells them, he says three different times, you have t- I have said this to you, basically, remember, remember, remember. He says three times, remember. What does remember mean? Remember means, I've already told you this before, I'm telling you again. That's what remember means. It means you already knew about it. Now remember it. Now think about it. Meditate on it. We all are in danger sometimes of getting this hardened heart. Well, I know how it is, or I've done this, or I know this, but yet our attitude doesn't show it. Our life doesn't show it. Our, we're not showing it out in our actions or towards our children or towards our families or towards lost souls. And we need to make sure that we're obeying and heeding and not hardening our hearts, but saying, God, break my heart. Break my heart. You know when you know you got a hard heart? When sin doesn't bother you anymore. That's when you know you got a hard heart. When your heart is beginning to harden and sin, and you can sin, you can do something wrong, you can say something that is just not right, and it just doesn't bother you. That's, that's, that's signs, indications of a hard heart. Of a hard heart. You know, that's signs and indications of a physically of a dying uh, member of your body. Did you know that? Brother Gear was telling us uh, not too long ago, whenever his back started to hurt before he had back surgery, that he was having a real bad problem sleeping. 
really hard time sleeping and a real hard time walking. He said one day he woke up and the pain was gone and he thought he was doing much better. He said, but the Lord, he said, he felt kind of nagging him for about two weeks saying, you still need to see the doctor. You still need to see the doctor. And so after two weeks, he went to the, went to the doctor and he explained to him the situation. The doctor actually stopped him. He said, stopped him mid-story and said, let me just tell the rest of the story. He said, the rest of the story is that one day you woke up and you were totally fine and you felt like you didn't have any more problems. Is that right? He said, yeah, how did you know? He said, because I've heard it a hundred times. He said, what has actually happened is that your nerve has deadened and you're no longer feeling the pain. And eventually, it will deaden so much and deteriorate that, that, uh, that disc in your back that you will not be able to walk anymore. He said, we need to do surgery immediately. And after they looked at, the, looked at everything, they determined that's exactly what it was. You know, our hearts are the exact same way. When we stop feeling the sting of sin and death, when we stop feeling that, listen, you and I, are getting a hard heart, a hard heart. And we need to ask God to break it. I know there's a lot of things that we have seen and some of us have experienced, and some of us more than others, that hardens us, and I get that. But at the same time, we need to say, God, we need help. I need you to soften my heart. I need you, God. To help me. If we choose to remain in unbelief, God's if, remain in unbelief for God's will for our lives, we may miss out on some of the blessings that God is trying to give to us. Maybe it's maybe it's our kids and grandkids getting saved. What if you just stop a little short and just kind of give up before then? You know, you and I have people depending on us whether you know it or not. You might not even have any dependence anymore, but you all have dependence. We all have somebody that's depending on us. You have somebody that's looking at you, and they're watching you, and they're not saved right now. And it might be a kid, it might be a neighbor, it might be somebody else, but they're watching, and they're seeing what you're going to do. Don't give up. Maybe it's a peaceful home. Maybe it's less stress. Maybe it's financial security or better health or, I don't know, more souls added to the kingdom. There's a whole list that we could mention tonight. But maybe it was the impact that you could have had on this world for a brief amount of time, but you missed it because you are not obedient to the will and the plan of God. On Wednesday night, I mentioned that... Ron Hamilton was very close to going home to be with the Lord, Patch the Pirate. He did pass away, in fact, just a few, I think it was on Friday. And Kara showed me a video, the first video, one of the first videos that he had after he had, uh, they called him Patch the Pirate, you might know this already, because he had gotten, at a very young age, he had gotten cancer in his, in his eye. And because of that cancer, that they, uh, they had to actually remove his eye and take it out. It was so interesting in that video about years ago, 
about him, and uh, I think it was uh, Dr. Bob Jones III uh, talking, interviewing him, was that he was talking about his eye and losing his eye. But the whole entire interview, uh, Ron Hamilton, Karis pointed this out, look, she said, look, he's smiling the whole entire time. And he spoke how God was going to use him losing his eye to bring others to Christ. And man, little did he know when he said that, that he would have majesty music, that he would have patched the pirate, that he would have an influence upon children of generation after generation after generation. Why? Because he didn't stop believing in the will of God for his life. He didn't just say, well, I've lost an eye, and God, why would you do that? And it might not be an eye for you, and it, it might be something else. But whatever it is, don't let anything thwart the purposes and the will of God for your life. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on him. Listen, he says, back to 14, he says, For we are made partakers of Christ. Christ is a great partner to have. Amen? You'll always have success with him. Every time. This book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, he says. He says, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Why? You listen to the word of God, Joshua. I'd say Joshua had pretty good success. Amen? Walk around Jericho and walls start falling down. That's pretty good success. Walk across Jordan and it parts. That's pretty good success. Town after town after town after town fall and defeat because somebody obeyed God. That's pretty good success. I only read about him losing one battle. And it really wasn't his fault. Here's the thing, folks. Don't give up on God. You'll always have good success with him. Father, we're thankful for the word. We pray that Father will heed it, we'll listen to it, and we'll obey him. We'll thank you for it.